This uh, morning is going to be a little different than, uh, than a typical Sunday morning. The sermon uh, is going to be a little different because I spent the week with our denomination in Orlando uh, going over stuff just like this of what, what it looks like to be a part of a bigger family, a family bigger than just our church home. And I don't typically talk about the fact that we are a part of a denomination or a bigger organization. And so when I get a chance to do it, I want to really go for it. And so what I wanted to do this, uh, this morning was just go over some of the things uh, we talked about while, while we were there, and then we'll get into the word in uh, the book of Philippians. Uh, we, we are a free Methodist church, and uh, that's the logo of our denomination. It's got, uh, I don't know, like a cross that's on fire, so I, that's just awesome. Uh, but anyway, um, we were part of Free Methodist Church, and what happened was um, John Wesley came out of the Church of England, and he began a movement in the United States called Methodism. And basically what he did was he talked about personal holiness. He had methods on how to grow to God, with God. And he started this thing called the ba- bands, which were just like small groups. And then uh, there's, there were classes and things like that, and that, 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 was, that was Methodism. And what ended up happening was... Uh, that, that grew very rapidly, and when it grew, it became institutionalized. And when it became institutionalized, it lost the heart of what it really was, that, 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 that normal people, everyday people like you and I were empowered to draw close to God. And so it wasn't this top-down thing with a, with a pastor or a priest, and then, uh, and then from there, you know, you, you just had to come and listen. That there was, in, in fact... The laity, the, the just average person, was empowered by the Holy Spirit with gifts and with strengths and, um, and could uh, be a part of something greater than themselves. And so what ended up happening was, um, at, once it became institutionalized, about that time in our country, um, we felt comfortable having slaves, which sounds bizarre, obviously, right now. But um, there were Methodist pastors that owned slaves. And so a gentleman named B.T. Roberts uh, began to speak up and say that this is not right. And so uh, in the abolitionist movement, our, our denomination was birthed. Um, and so the free and free Methodist stands for certain freedoms. Uh, one, we believe in the, the freedom of, of uh, anyone, okay? So no matter what your skin color is, no matter what your uh, socioeconomic level is, um, that, that uh, all men and women are to be free. And so in the Methodist church, um, African Americans would be in the back, uh, away from everybody, and then the uh, white people would be sitting in pews. And so we we got rid of that as free Methodists. That, that's probably the biggest part of who we are. Uh, the other thing was that rich people would buy the pew. And so, um, so like, let's just say uh, this family here, this beautiful, gorgeous family here, uh, let's say they uh, purchased that pew. Um, well, you couldn't sit there because they bought it, okay? And so um, B.T. Roberts and the Free Methodist Church said, no, no, everyone can sit wherever. It's free. To, to come. And, uh, and now, you know, if you want to buy your chair, you, it's $300. And you can, no, I'm, I'm playing around. Uh, no, but uh, so that was, that was a big part of it. We believe uh, freedom for women to be in leadership. 
And so we have women uh, pastors in our denomination. We have women in all different types of leadership, and we keep uh, pushing f- for that. And so that's a part of our freedom. We have freedom in worship, where before it, it was only the, the performers that could worship. But as you see this morning, and uh, we want everybody to participate in that, and then freedom to exercise the gifts, all the gifts of the Spirit. And so those are just kind of some of the things of what makes free Methodism free Methodism. Now, what happens is every four years, we have these different conferences all over the world. And so we belong to the Southern California Conference, and each conference elects, uh, votes on, and elects delegates to go to general conference, okay? <laughs> Already everyone's just like, <clears throat> okay, don't worry about it, it gets better. Um, and so, uh, and, and so I was one of those delegates on the clergy side, and then we elect delegates on the laity side. The way our, the way our, our denomination set up is every time a pastor's there, you better have a normal person there. <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, that's just the, the long, long and short of it. If a pastor's there, hey, get somebody there to look over him, okay, or, or her, you know. And so, um, and so that's it. So we, we ended up in Orlando, and uh, what I wanted to do is just share. We, we have three bishops in our um, uh, in our uh, country. You know, they kind of different west, middle, and east. Um, they can only move diagonally. So um, <laughs> anyway, that was that was that was bad. Okay. Anyway, so uh, so we 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 elect them every four years and kind of do that whole thing and uh, and so they speak and they just share the heart of where we're going and and again I'm not about denominations I don't care if you go to a Baptist church Nazarene Presbyterian whatever I think there's the church is the church okay um, however having said that we do belong to a denomination and I love it. Uh, I love this denomination. I'm going to show you nine things that we're really concerned about uh, from the standpoint of we want to push forward as much as we possibly can. And so these are nine strategies. I'll go over them. And as you, if you've been at Living Spring for a while, you'll hear a lot of this language is language we already use, okay? So, so you'll go, yeah, doesn't everybody do that? No. So, um, but this is the stuff we're really passionate about. So the nine things, uh, and what happened was, all the delegates knew they were going um, like, a, like two years ago. And so um, we've been working uh, in different strategies, different delegates, to kind of formulate thought in some of these areas. And so when we came together, that's what we did. The first one is this, embrace all. Uh, the Free Methodist Church uh, will recognize our reach to the poor and disenfranchised and create a normalcy for multicultural ministry by rewarding and celebrating churches that minister to the hurting, broken, and people unlike themselves. I cannot tell you how huge this concept is, not only for our denomination, but for Living Spring as a church. Uh, We say anybody, anybody, anybody can walk through those doors and sit down and worship with us. Now, so the way we talk about that um, is we say you can belong before you believe. And so we have people in the, the, the church right now that would be part of our church body. Uh, don't look at the person next to you. But uh, they're not into the whole Jesus thing yet. yet. <laughs> okay. They, they don't, they're trying to figure stuff out. Well, you're, if that's you, you're welcome here. You can belong before you believe. Now, the thing is, I'm going to just let the cat out of the bag. I really, 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 really want you to believe some stuff. 
I, I want you to believe in the authority of Scripture, that, it, uh, that, that um, it, it, it's to be a, a blueprint to kind of uh, teach you how to live holy and uh, have a good, right relationship with God. I, I want you to be in a small group with other Christian uh, people kind of talking about life. I want, I want you to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that by that life, death, uh, burial and resurrection, you can have a personal relationship with a living God through the forgiveness of sins that Christ did. I want you to believe that. Um, I want you to believe other funky stuff, that you have a soul and that, um, that when you die, you really won't die and all that. And I, it's a little wacky, but I, I, I'm telling you I, want you, to, I want you to believe that. But you can belong before you believe. You don't need to be a certain skin color. You don't need to have a certain amount of money. You don't have to be really smart. You don't have to do anything. Anyone who walks through those doors is allowed to be here. We embrace all, okay? Um, now, one of the nice things about our, even white people, by the way, we'll even let you guys in uh, if you want. Um, but one of the, uh, uh, and that's what I love about this church. We are becoming, over the years, we're becoming more and more diverse in age-wise, in socioeconomic standing, and in ethnicity. And uh, for me, personally, that, that, that's success uh, in, in, in that you know, part of this first strategy. Um, the second thing is to disciple deeply. Now, we don't really use the word disciple too much here. Scott did last week. He would talk about making disciples. And basically, a disciple is just a student. It's a follower. And so we want to make uh, followers of Jesus, people who, who will, will give their whole lives to him, trusting him in every area, in every aspect of their life. That's what we want to do. And now, in the denomination, they call that disciple deeply. And we will place the same priority on discipling and serving as we do in our services of worship. By valuing and measuring holiness, service, and obedience, we will increase the fruitfulness of the good news in our communities. And so we're not just interested in getting a bunch of people here on Sunday morning. We want you growing. This is why we always talk in terms of next steps. What's your next step? We also talk, talk in terms of we don't want you to be a year from now the same person you were today. We want you to be growing and coming, growing closer to, to uh, Jesus. One of the things we'll be doing this fall is there's going to be a group of leaders uh, that are going to go through a discipleship um, program, 10 weeks long. And it's, it's hard, okay? But the leaders are going to do it first because we don't want to ask the church to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. And so we're going to be going through this thing called Rooted. And when we're done in January, we're going to kick it off to the whole church. And we're going to hope that every single one of you guys does this. And like I said, it's a big commitment. There's homework involved. You have to read, okay? You have to pray. It's just hard. Okay, no, I, but, uh, but at the end of it, the hope is that you will be a closer disciple, a closer follower of Jesus, okay? And so that's really important to us as well, and it's important to our denomination. A third thing um, that our denomination is interested in is cultivating health. And um, just as your pastor, I would just like to say thank you because we, together, we make this a healthy, safe place. There are pastors all over the country, and I've talked to a lot of them in Orlando this week, that do not minister in safe places because the congregation is not healthy. And so I will talk to pastors all the time, and I'll tell them, I'm going to have a board meeting on Sunday. And you just watch them just sigh like, oh. 
like, you poor guy. And I'm like, I like the board, well, except for Aaron. But other than that, I like, I like, I like the board. Uh, and so, and so it, it, we have fun, and, it's, and we, t- we argue about really important things, but it's, 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 it's really healthy. And so, um, except for the pastor that verbally attacks one of the board members from the pulpit. Um, but our, de- our, denomination, our denomination cultivates this. And so, and so if there's a church and it's unhealthy and it's stagnant and there's nasty people in there, we will shut it down and, and just say, look, sell the property and give it to some church planters that are going to advance the kingdom of God. And so I love being a part of a family that's like that. Now, we'll try to save it first, but if it, if it can't be rescued, then use the funds for the kingdom. And so um, I love that. And I just want to, again, tell you thank you for being a, a church that is healthy and um, uh, the second thing we want to do is develop, I mean, one of the other strategies is to develop leaders. And you see that all over the place. You saw it with Adjua when she had the kids on stage last week. We want to let people stretch and grow and try and fail. And, and, and if we see leadership qualities in you, whether you're five years old or you, or you shot somebody. Uh, God, that, Okay. Anyway, now, okay. Uh, whether you're five years old or 105 years old, we want to release you into, into to ministry if you're a leader. And we want to develop that. Last week, Scott, our intern, preached. And, uh, and that's because we see something in him. And so, and, and Gavin as well as an intern. And we've hired Jonathan, one of our interns. And we hired Rihanna, one of our interns. And now she's going off to do all sorts of smart stuff. And so uh, that's what we want to see. We want leaders to, to, we want people who come in here to be trained and developed so that they can go change the world for Jesus. And that is a big part of our denomination as well. And you'll see it if you spend any time with youth ministry. Uh, Jonathan will, will try to find young leaders and let, try to develop them and let them become uh, uh, something greater than they thought they could be. And so we're very excited about that as well. Um, one of the other things that we're passionate about is multiplying ministries. And so our particular um, Southern California Conference wants to plant 53 churches in five years, which is just, well, we're led by a crazy superintendent that just kind of believes this kind of stuff. But, but 53 churches in five years, this is the goal because we want healthy things, healthy things grow and multiply. And so we want to be a, a part of that. And, um, and same with here. I mean, as we have healthy ministry that's taking place, youth ministry and children's ministry, what Chelsea's doing in our children's ministry is awesome. We want to see that multiply to not just for more people, but um, uh, because people matter, we want to see people's lives changed. And, and so uh, I wouldn't be surprised at some time if we started dreaming about planting a church from here somewhere else. Because that's what free Methodists do. <laughs> they just, the healthy stuff we want to reproduce. And so uh, that's a big part of who we are as well. The other thing, like the video you saw, the Eden video, is um, going global. We don't just want to be in a holy huddle in our particular uh, neighborhood. And so it says that we will uh, increase the global and local influence of our churches by encouraging engagement with worldwide ministries and helping churches 
to better impact their communities. We do this very well in our community. We, we are an outward-focused church, and that is normal in our denomination, to have churches that are looking outside of their walls, not just down the street or around the corner, but that's why our, our mission statement says we're going to reach our neighborhood and surrounding communities with the love of the Father. And so we want to be always looking outward while not neglecting the inward work that needs to be happening. And so we partner with Eden, like you saw, planting trees. Just just you guys in here have planted 44,000 trees just in, in, as you partner with Eden. And we would really... Uh, encourage you to continue to do that. Well, we have another ministry that we partner with that's a global ministry called ELI, Empowering Lives International. And they started right on the other side of this wall in one of the offices. Don Rogers, who used to go to church here years and years ago, um, was bold enough to say he'd go to Africa. And uh, when he did go to Africa, his heart was changed and he began to see how uh, Empowering Lives International could come and bring sustainability to these villages with um, different ways to plant things, different ways to get clean water, different ways to bake things. Right now, they're, um, uh, they're turning. Uh, many of the women were um, uh, kind of doing moonshine, you know, and, and, and that's how they made money. And he's turning that into other ways to make money, other little micro businesses. But all the while, sharing the gospel and taking care of orphans and planting churches. And so um, we buy into this idea of, of going global completely. Uh, this other one, honor fruitfulness. Um, we will increase the number of growing, fruitful, free Methodist churches by encouraging and aiding successful leaders and their ministries. We will tell the story of these ministries to the rest of the denomination. It was so cool to be with. We were, there was 2,000 of us in Orlando. And to watch the videos of these different churches in Virginia and uh, all around the world in Africa and, uh, and, and, and South Central and all this kind of stuff and just see their stories, to, just to be connected to go, man, we're not alone. Living Spring is not alone. We've got uh, sister churches all over the place that are doing incredible, incredible fruitful ministry. And those are the things our denomination wants to celebrate. And so if there's a church and it's not, it's not doing its thing, and they're all turned inward, and it's, uh, uh, you know, really nasty. We're not going to celebrate that. Um, we're we're going to let them, you know, do their thing, but um, we want to celebrate what's, what's actually happening. And so there are lots of ideas shared about how you can impact the community and different things like that. Very, very fun. Uh, very, very fun. Um, engage Urban. Um, our denomination is not going to run out of the, uh, the urban areas. We're going to run to them um, because uh, there's great ministry that can be done, and those are the disenfranchised often. Those are the ones who are uh, uh, looked past or have been historically um, abused, and so we want to plant churches in those areas and be a place of light and a place of healing and a place of restoration. And so social justice for us um, is important for our denomination, and it is for us as well. I'm the district superintendent for the churches in, in, in our region of Southern California, and we have churches in Compton and Paramount and Long Beach, and these pastors are just doing unbelievable work, and it's just awesome to partner with them. But we, we don't run out of the bad neighborhoods, okay? We run, we run into them, and we try to minister there. And that, I just love that about the Free Methodist Church. Um, we partner strong. Um, this means that not every 
we realize that there are some things we don't do well that we can use other partnerships uh, to help us do that. One of the things we do well is our food ministry, which we do every Wednesday night uh, for those in the area who are hurting. And uh, we partner with Second Harvest Food Bank. And so they're a great ministry partner for us. We couldn't, we couldn't possibly get that much food by just trying to do a food drive on our own. And so we utilize their services and we partner with them. And it's, it's really awesome. Uh, well, the other institution we partner with is our city. Uh, we know many of the city officials and we were involved in a lot of their different um, uh, offices. And they help us when we want to fix up a house like we do every year. Um, they look, they have their eyes open for a house that we might want to want to do. And sometimes what they'll do is they'll call if there's, if there's a code violation, they'll call up Cece, who's our, uh, in charge of our community outreach, and she'll go, can you guys just paint this house? And then we have a ninja team that goes in. We call it the ninja team. And they go in at 8 o'clock in the morning, and the house is painted by noon, and we're gone. And uh, the city partners with us for that. So it's very exciting, and, that, and that's what we want to do. We want to we want to partner um, with those institutions. So that, I hope that gives you a, and again, like I said, it's a little, little different Sunday morning and not quite a sermon at that part, but I hope it just gives you an idea that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. The other thing the denomination does that's really cool is they provide oversight for us. And so I have resources, many pastors, many superintendents, even the bishop I can call up and say, hey, I'm struggling in this area. You know, we, we're trying to get some ideas to do this. And we want to do that. And, and, and there's just tons of resources. Um, I'm, I'm on this hub uh, online and I can just put out a question. How do you guys do your food ministry or whatever? And you'll just get lots of resources. And they also provide oversight financially to make sure I'm not stealing money, which I think is nice. Um, but, uh, but we turn in our financials every six months, just very healthy, very, really healthy. And so I, I appreciate that about it. And um, if you want to find out more about that, you can join our um, uh, our uh, membership class, and we talk about kind of the, the history of the Free Methodist Church and what does it mean to be a member of that that church family. Uh, I mean, of our church family, but that broader family as as well. And if you love like di- like different institutional structures, you can get in there and you can be on boards and you can do all that kind of stuff if you're into it. Um, so, so, so here's the thing. How do we transition from that to the book of Philippians? Well, because what we did is we looked at a, we looked at a, um, a ministry that was like huge. Like Eden, like I can't start a ministry like that. And, you know, I want to change the world. I, I want to impact my community. I want to do something for God, you know. And, and so it's great to be part of a denomination. And I, I can hear about a church in Virginia. Or I can hear about a church um, in South Central. I can hear about something that's going on in Africa. But what about, what about you and I? Well, what I want to talk about this morning in the brief time we have left is to talk about that you were created. We, we've been talking about being created for a purpose talked about that we're created to gather together, like we're, we're, we're supposed to be together, we're not supposed to be alone. We talked about we're created for stewardship, that we're supposed to take care of stuff, that everything is God's and we're in, we're in charge of taking care of it, like, like the earth, and that's why we plant trees, but uh, we were created for stewardship. We were created with an end in mind. We have a telos, a way that God would see us um, uh, perfect or to see us operating in all our strengths and gifts. We talked about we were created to bring um, um, order 
uh, into chaos, and we talked about we were salt and light, that we stop decay and we show the way. I don't know if you remember that, but we talked about that. Uh, these are all the things we were created. And really, as we wrap up this series in this last week, ultimately what it comes down to is we were created to worship God. Now, when you use a term like worship, if you've been a Christian for a while, worship just means music, right? You know, if, if, you, if you're talking to somebody about what church they go to, and you, you'll say, how was the worship? And that means, are, is it hymns? Is it rock and roll? Is it like what? And, and that's fine. But the Bible, that kind of language is foreign to the Bible. Um, the Bible does talk about worshiping him with instruments and all these types of things. But worship is much deeper and much broader in the Bible than that. Worship just means sacrifice. It just means I'm going to lay down my hopes and dreams and agenda to hear from and to honor the living God. Worship is just a sacrifice of self. It says, and it may come in the form of, of, of loud music and cheering and raising our hands and saying, praise you, Jesus. That, that's a part of worship. But it may also come in a, a humble way of just being broken in our own kind of mistakes and going, God, I, I need you. I need you. You're too valuable for me to waste. And so, so worship is broader than that. And what I wanted to do this morning was just Look at one section of scripture in Philippians that I think Paul is setting up and he talks about his own life that I hope would open your eyes this week for ways you can worship God that maybe you would have missed before. I hope I can open your eyes this week to, to, to go worshiping on your way to work is not putting in a, a CD or putting worship music on uh, Spotify, that other things can be happening where you can really worship God deeply outside of being in church. Um, so Philippians chapter 2, um, verses 14 through 15. Now, if you don't get anything else out of this sermon, just do what this next sentence says to do. If that's all you get, if you fall asleep or if you're playing, uh, you know, Candy Crush or whatever, if like, if like you don't get anything, get, get this, okay? Do all things without grumbling or disputing. <laughs> New American Standard says complaining. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. You're like, I don't want to do that, <laughs> That is, that's in the Bible? What kind of version is that? Paul's beginning to get to the heart of what a radical community looks like. Because he's already started talking to this church. Uh, that This church had sent him a gift. And Philippians, the book of Philippians, or the letter really of Philippians, is really just a thank you letter. And so he starts off saying, man, I'm, I'm so thankful for you guys. And every time I think of you, you make me happy. You know, you make me joyful. It, it, it would be like if I were writing a letter to you guys, it's, that's what I'd say. I'd be like, every time I think of you guys, it just puts a smile on my face. And so he's smart, he starts with that, and, 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 he, and he goes on, and then he, he just switches to this thing of like, like, you've got to stay unified, guys. <laughs> like, you have to stay unified. Well, you've, we've got a great thing going. We've got to keep going. And so he, he starts talking about Jesus and how Jesus existed in the form of God, like he was in the heavens. 
And he didn't regard that state, that position, something to be held on to, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a man, and that he was obedient even to death on a cross. That Christ's obedience was this, this just unbelievable worship of his heavenly Father. And so he's talking about this, and then he just jumps in. He says, uh, he says uh, uh, you know, be unified in, in, in everything you do. And he says, do not look merely for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in your mind, which is the same as Christ Jesus. And then we get to here. And he says, do all things without grumbling or complaining. Now watch. So that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you, is, you appear as lights in the world. Remember when we talked about being salt and light a few weeks ago? And uh, that's, uh, that's kind of our job as Christians. It's not to point out people's faults. It's to just be, to bring repair, to bring shalom, to, to stop decay. So he goes on, he says, you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain. Now, think of where Paul is right now. He's poured himself into this church. He's poured himself into a lot of the different churches. He poured himself into Timothy, um, kind of his sidekick, if you will, who he's hoping to send to this church in a little bit. But he, and, and, and listen to his language. He's like, man, I hope, I hope I didn't do all this for nothing. And you, you can imagine that there's probably pastors like that. They've just, wor- they've just worked tirelessly. They've been really faithful. And at the end of their career, they're thinking, I hope, I hope some of that stuck, you know. But then he goes on and he starts using language that I hope you'll use this week and I hope will be encouraging to you. Because imagine if Paul did get done with the church of Philippi and it was a whole, it was a big waste. They all fell away and not, they started arguing and the, they had a big church split over uh, pews or chairs or whatever the thing is and they're just, it just kind of crumbled away. Watch what he says. He says, but even... If I'm being poured out as a drink offering. Now, this word drink offering shows up about 65 times in the Bible. And um, what it was, was in the Old Testament, in order to atone for sin, there was a sacrifice. This is why we say Jesus is our sacrifice on the cross. Because that sacrifice, um, that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin. And and so that's kind of the language we use as Christians sometimes. Well, that came from the Old Testament. There was an altar and there would be a sacrifice of an animal to atone for the sins. And so you'd, you'd, you'd have this animal uh, sacrifice and then you'd take some wine typically and you'd just throw it on the altar and it would just be vaporized because it was so hot. In other words, there's nothing to show for it. The, the actual animal, you'd get ash, you know, left over and then the priest would use some of the meat and all that kind of stuff. There was that whole, they had a whole system for that. But the, the drink offering was just nothing. Nothing to show for it. It's like, um, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever worked on a computer, um, but uh, early on, if you didn't save your work, I mean, now everything kind of saves on its own, but if you didn't save your work, you could work on a paper. And I remember this has happened to me before where I was working and working and working and working, so excited, and then the system shuts down and I lose everything. 
that feeling, which is deep loss, <laughs> right? That never happens to Jesus. You know why? Jesus saves. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Take, take, that back, take that back to your work. It's good. That's another freebie. That's another freebie. No, uh, sorry, that was really stupid. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so that sense of like, man, I did all that stuff and it turned into nothing. Here's what Paul, Paul says. Even if that happens, the process of being used by God, even if it just means used up, I'm, I, I'm down with that. He says, I rejoice at being able to be used by God even in the smallest kind of afterthought. It doesn't have to be starting a ministry. It doesn't have to be being a pastor. It doesn't have to be starting a new um, something great and, you know, oh my gosh, I'm in this ministry and now there's, we start out with five people and now there's a hundred people. That's all well and good. But something about Paul seems to be satisfied with being wasted. He says, even if I'm poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. There's something about a connectedness to God, this worship through sacrifice. He encourages them too to do the same thing. He says, I urge you, rejoice in the same way. Like be that same person who can just go, you know what? Right now, I'm going to just make this little sacrifice to God. I'm going to be patient <laughs> as an act of worship. And we talk about these things of acts of worship, and, um, and we use that language a lot here. One of the things that Bob uh, says almost every uh, week is that um, you got up, you got dressed, and you got here. Okay, those are three acts of worship you did. That you might not even know about. You said, well, no, I hadn't even started worshiping yet. I, I didn't even, I didn't sing. I didn't do anything. You got, you got up, okay? So there's lots of people, and I'll find out who they are. But they didn't get up this morning, okay? And, and, and we're going after them. No, I'm, I'm playing around. But you got up. You got dressed. Thank you. That was an act of, thank you. We appreciate that. Um, but, but you got dressed, okay? Because you can get up and then you can make your coffee and then you can sit down and you're like, okay. You got dressed and then you got here. Some people don't make it here. They get, get up, they get dressed and on their way, they're like, norms, I love norms. And they go, I'll go ahead and off we go. You got up, you got dressed and you got here. You were worshiping God this morning before you even got here because you were making him a priority. You were sacrificing part of your Sunday to be with a bunch of other Christians to acknowledge, God, you have my time this morning. That's pretty awesome. And you say, but I don't, what do I have to show for it? Even if you're being poured out as a drink offering, rejoice in the fact that your heavenly father sees this and is pleased by it. And so he says, in the same way, share your joy with me. Um, uh, James uses some of this language. I, I, I just put this in here because I liked the fact that um, James acknowledges this drink offering language, uh, if you will. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor. <laughs> you, know, you ever think of yourself as that? You're just a vapor, right? That appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And so you think to yourself, well, if it's a drink offering and it's just kind of, I don't have anything to show for it and all that, then what's, what's the use? 
The use is that you are extremely valuable to God. You are extremely valuable to your Heavenly Father. You're not a pastor. I mean, maybe there are a couple in here. Uh, you're, you're not a pastor. You're not a, you didn't write a, a, a book of the Bible. You're not way up here. And yet you are so extreme. You know, you know what's one thing you know about drink offerings as you read and study the drink offering? The thing it says over and over again. Well, oh, there are a couple things. One thing, it's every day. There's a, there's a drink offering twice, twice a day, every day, in the morning and at night. And so it gets this idea that drink offering language is just routine. There's a routine of it. Okay, and you could think, you know, how do I worship God in the day to day? It's through this idea that what you do in the small things, you got up, you got dressed, you got here, or you let somebody in line, or you were silent when you really wanted to speak out. Those are drink offering moments. The other thing it says in the Bible about drink offerings is that they please God. So here you have the sacrifice, which is the atonement of the sin, and then somebody takes a glass of Chardonnay or whatever, and throws it on the altar, and it's burnt up, and God is pleased. Now, if he's pleased with that, just throwing something on the altar and it just being burnt up, imagine how pleased he is when you decide to give little areas of your life over to him in very small ways. As a matter of fact, Paul talks about this in Romans. He says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, as living drink offerings. Every decision, every situation you come into, I urge you to offer your bodies as, as these drink offerings during the day, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. As Adra comes back up, uh, She's going to uh, play a song with uh, Gavin. And um, our, our hope is that this time of reflection, that there'll be something that captures your imagination. That maybe it's actually the Spirit of God talking to you, saying, hey, you know what would be cool? You know what would be a cool drink offering at work? It'd be cool if you did this differently. And it's just between you and I. It's just an act of worship between you and I. Probably nothing will come of it. You won't have anything to show for it. You probably won't even get a raise. You probably won't even be recognized. There'll be nothing. It's just, it's just between you and I, just vaporized. And maybe there might be something like that. It doesn't have to be big. It might be a shift in the way you think about somebody at work or the way you uh, shift in how you think about spending your time. Maybe you add just a little bit of time in the morning where you just go, I'm going to take five minutes and just pray. It's a drink offering to God. So my prayer is that as we go through this, um, that you would, uh, that you'd hear from your Heavenly Father and that he'd give you ideas for this week. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that um, you don't want us to be satisfied with just barely scraping through life, that we can offer every single part of our lives over to you and that you are pleased by that and that you will take care of us. So, Lord, as we take this time to reflect and maybe um, uh, prepare an offering or fill out our connection cards, Lord, I pray that um, we would hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen.